Welcome back to the Pittsburgh Sportscast, where two college students discuss all things Pittsburgh sports all year round. I'm Ryan. And I'm Chris. And today we've got basically two different issues on the agenda today. First, we'll be talking about the Pirates' latest three-game series against the Milwaukee Brewers. Then we'll delve into the Penguins' exhibition game in the Toronto bubble against the Flyers before they take on Montreal this Saturday. So we'll kick things off by talking about the Pirates, obviously their first series at home at PNC Park. And they were taking on the uh, Milwaukee Brewers and the Pirates ended up taking one out of three, despite the fact that they had a four run lead going into the ninth inning in game one. And uh, we'll get into that probably very soon. But yeah, Chris, uh, your thoughts on the series? Um, I thought game one, we obviously should have won. Um, there is no excuse for what happened in the ninth inning. Uh, I don't care what anyone says, there, there is no excuse. Um, there is no reason that you should lose a game when you're up four runs, ever. I don't care what any, I don't care if you're up four one runs in the first, you, sh- you shouldn't lose. Um let alone four runs in the ninth. So I, I think that was disappointing. Um, and then losing it in extras, we got to see the new extra inning rule. Not, didn't really like it. Um, but that's just personal preference of mine. Game two, um, I thought we should have lost. We ended up winning it. Um, I believe the Brewers went up 6-2 in the seventh, and it was their turn to, to blow a four-run lead. Um... So when you're up four, um, when you're down four rounds, I don't really think you should ever expect to win a baseball game. Uh, we did. We came back. We won. Um, so I think after two games, the series should have been one and one to one. I was one to one. Just a little backwards, as they say. Um, game three, we were dominated. Let's be real. Um, we, we were dominated by the Brewers p- pitching. Uh, the pitching staff, uh, they had their ace, uh, Woodruff, I believe was his name. And, um, he, he looked un- un- unbeatable, unhittable. Um, I think he sat 17 of 18 or like, or, yeah, I think it was 17 of 18. Um, uh, at one point only allowed one hit that was a swinging bunt, to be honest. Um, you know, Bell looked awful against him. Our hitters... Eric Gonzalez should not be in this baseball team. Side note. Um, his his at-bats against Woodruff were a joke. Um, you know, we had, like, a little opportunity in the seventh. But, again, couldn't amount to anything. It's not like Joe Musgrove pitched bad. Um, and then we, we lost that one, which we should have, like I said, completely dominated. Um, I personally think... That our starting pitching has not been awful. I think our starting pitching has been a strength of ours. Um, there was not really one starter that I was upset with their first start. Uh, Musgrove pitched well. You know, Williams, obviously, Keller. And then I, Holland really surprised me. I didn't expect him to do as well. And then the, the um, cool and brawl, that piggyback thing worked as well. I thought that worked really well. Um, hitting... I think we've gone off to a slower start 
Um, Brian Reynolds, I know, really struggled in St. Louis. Seemed to be a little bit better here in Milwaukee. Um, Bell, again, I think he's off to a slow start. Moran has been, like, the bright spot. Um, the third baseman, Frazier, no. What's his name? Is that third baseman? Evans, Philip Evans. Yes. Um, he's been a bright spot. I think Adam Frazier has been a bright spot. Um, Polanco looks slow. He looks like, you know, he's been out of the game a minute. Well, that's because um, he has. Yeah, he has. So, so I'm saying, and he looks it. Um, who, Gerard Dyson has, I mean, I can see his defensive ability, but with the bat, he, he's, a, he's struggling. But again, we put up eight runs. We, we put up some runs in the series until last night, I thought. So I didn't think that was bad. Bullpen has been worse than imagined, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think again what we said it to be to, at the beginning of the, of the season. Um, bullpen just isn't good enough. It's not they're not it's not the hits that they're giving up. It's the free passes that's bothering me. Like if you get shelled and you're giving up hits, you know whatever, right? Hits happen, but like. Dude, there are some of these pitchers that are coming in. They're not anywhere close to the strike zone. I mean, there was that one inning. I forgot what game it was. It might have been game two. I think it was game two. Where the Brewers walked the bases loaded. And then a run was walked in. Yeah, I think that was the second game. I think that was how the comeback kind of happened. Well, no, because we were tied, and then that's how the Brewers, I That's think, right, yeah. Yeah, and then we came back in the bottom of half of that inning. But, you know, like, you're a major league pitcher. You should never walk the bases loaded. You know what it was? They walked the bases loaded, and then they hit the batter, and that's how it yeah, scored. Yeah, that's what it was. And then, like, the next guy, like, doubled off the Clemente wall, and, well, you know what happened after that. Um, Brian Reynolds' arm... Um, has impressed. He had two yeah, I know. impressive throws um, from left field uh, to gun people out. One was a double play, and the other one, I think, was just a base hit that he charged and, and threw him out um, last game. And then the double play was game two. Um, yeah, so those those have been my like initial thoughts on this series. What about you? Well, I think... Uh, obviously, the second game was a game we had no business winning but won. But I don't think there's any excuse for winning, for losing the first game at all. Uh, it, it was just so frustrating to see our bullpen implode. Uh, Kyle Crick, man. I tried to be positive. I tried not to be reactionary. I tried to be optimistic. But every time he's been handed the ball, he has proceeded to not get the job done. He, uh, he gives up the runs. He obviously gave up the tying runs in the first in that game. But I do not like what I'm seeing from him at all. His velocity has dropped considerably, and I know that could be a byproduct of the stoppage and the restart because that's a trend across baseball. But it's just not something you like to see. You know, he's just not. I'm not seeing that good a command with his pitches. I'm not seeing, the, like I said, the velocity's down. He just 
he just looks sluggish. He doesn't look like his old self that we saw in the last two years. And, um, yeah, it's just really frustrating. Um, Richard Rodriguez as well. I have no idea where that one, two, three inning came from. I know that was impressive. Of course, he, of course, when the game's already been lost, he goes out there and retires the side, but he was also a big part of that collapse, if I remember correctly. In St. Louis, yeah. Yeah, in St. Louis. He came in with, like, the score was 3-2, and he gave yeah. up a home run, and we lost 5-4. Like, okay, great. Yeah, gotta, so, love, gotta love Rich Rod. Um, hopefully, that outing he had yesterday was a big sign for improvement uh, and a good sign of things to come. Uh, yeah, I, d- I definitely think a lot of people have overlooked the, the glove and the arm of Gerard Dyson, or not Gerard Dyson, of Brian Reynolds, mainly because his bat was what captured the headlines, as as it normally will. Uh, you know, Brian Reynolds at one point was considered an, uh, an outside shot to win the batting title, was one of the finalists for Rookie of the Year, and that was mainly because he hit, you know, 300-plus all season and was pinging the ball all over the place and was doing really good at the plate. But, you know, he's he's been able to make some nice defensive plays even last year, and now we see this year with a t- couple of outfield assists uh, in the Milwaukee series. That's one of the things that I know really set... That's a kind of thing that harkens back to those, those 13 to 15 Pirates was how solid defensively in the outfield the Pirates were especially I remember Marte and Polanco were 1-2 in outfield assists in the National League in 2015 you know how many times have we thrown out guys on the bases and I know it's an often overlooked aspect of the game but it's very it's a very important asset to have if you're Brian Reynolds and now that we have Polanco back on the right side that's a little extra something and I haven't seen much of Gerard Dyson's arm, but I sincerely hope it has to be better than McCutcheon. We rem- I remember that weakness that we have had in years past. Yeah, but McCutcheon made up for it um, at the plate. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I remember any base hit the center field, the runner on second was scoring because McCutcheon's arm was terrible. But... Yeah, I definitely think it's something underappreciated. And now that Reynolds' bat has kind of been a bit slow, I think people are more able to appreciate the arm of Brian Reynolds, as well as the glove. He's made a couple of nice plays out there in left field. I, and, I um, Go ahead. But yeah, that, that was just kind of finishing up my thoughts. Go back to what you were saying. Okay. Um, I kind of want to go back and kind of discuss the the collapse on Monday night because I think that there's a lot of talking points here um, that I think we could discuss because really last night's loss was just you know we couldn't hit the ball you know and we could talk about the win on uh, game two win but in the ninth inning I think many things went wrong. I also like to get your opinion on once I finish. Um, the first, actually, there, I think there were several mistakes made. 
it was kind of like how off air we talked about when the United States men's mi- missed the World Cup, and there were like 32 possibilities, and 31 of them had us in the World Cup, and the one that didn't, the one that happened. Yeah, it, I feel like it was. That's what happened. There were like 30 possibilities how that game could have gone, and 29 of them we win, and the one that didn't happen, and the one that did happen was the one you know that where we lost because. The first batter, he, Shelton played four men in the outfield and three people in the infield. Now I question personally, question that decision, because you're up by four. It's it, it's a different story. Let's say you're up by one, and you know, and the Brewer here is up there trying to get in the scoring position or something like that, right? But when you're up or up four and you're the opposing team, so you're down four, you don't necessarily need a double. You need base runners. Because even a home run doesn't help you. Because you're still down three. You know what I'm saying? So why he played four outfielders is questionable, especially since that guy got a hit that would have been prevented if he would have played the infield shift. If the infield shift is played, if that's just a ground ball, and that's out number one, and since Feliz got two outs, or two more outs, then that would have been game. So I think yeah. Shelton made a questionable decision there. Josh Bell, I think, is to blame as well, because he had a ball, and instead of going to second for the force, which is where the tying run at that point would have been, because I think it was like first and third, or something like that. And a Brewer guy, a Brewer player, hits a ball to Josh Bell. The runner from third comes in and scores, which means the Brewers are only down two. No, you know what? There's a man. The bases were loaded. That's right. Yes, because they had loaded the because yes, Felice has already loaded the bases, and the balls hit to Bell. So the runner comes in, scores. The man from second goes to third, which means the Brewers are down two at this point. So now the so. So the run to get them down one's at third. And Bell has the ball to gun the guy from first going to second in order to pre- prevent the game time run getting in the scoring position. But instead, I don't know if he didn't like to throw or whatnot, because he had plenty of time to make the throw. But he doesn't and gets to first, which instead of it now being first and third with two outs down two, it was second and third with two outs. Right? Yeah, and that's so, another difference, right? right? Because if Bell makes the play, even if it's first and third, two outs, Crick gives up that base hit, only one run scores, not two, so you're still up one. So Crick, granted, probably would have given up another hit, but... <laughs> Knowing Crick, yeah. But, but yeah, like... would have had the opportunity then I to think... get and face another batter, get another player out. Yeah, I know. I know watching it live, I was kind of relieved that he just went to first because too, I feel actually. like when I'm watching Josh Bell, I'm watching, I, I'm kind of reminded of Pedro Alvarez. You know, he's historically had problems uh, throwing the ball. Um, you know, every time, every time there's a guy on first and Bell gets a ground ball, I always wince as soon as he gets ready to throw it to second because how many times have we seen him throw it into left field, right? Well, then- can't the argument then be made that if you can't trust your first baseman to make that throw 
and remember this is a shortened season starts matter if you remember with the 16 team playoff you only have to be around 500 to put your hat in the ring so if if your first baseman doesn't have confidence to make that throw which we both agree he had time to to get that lead runner which is the remember the tying runner if he doesn't have the confidence why is he playing first base in the bottom of the ninth or top of the ninth right because then the question is throw him at DH and put like Osuna could Osuna make that throw yeah you know because if Bell doesn't have that confidence he can't be playing first base when the game's on the line like that yeah because his mistake cost him if he just throws that runner out we're probably talking about a different story and the Pirates winning a series and being 500 right now and not being two and four and only winning one you know what I'm saying Precisely, I said that, and you know, I think I, I just—it's really frustrating because I'm looking at ESPN's box score and they have a win probability graph, and going into the ninth inning, we had a 99% win probability, and yet, you know, we we managed to screw it up. Yes. Any positives from game two, which is the only one we won? Uh, I would say, um, the bullpen actually held up, which I was very pleasantly surprised with. Um, obviously, you know, the bullpen's not going to screw up all the time, but it was nice to finally see a game where the bullpen was competent and, uh, able to held us out. I also liked the piggy, I was also pleasantly surprised by the piggyback, because that was the piggyback game, if I'm not mistaken, with... Um, Brault and then Cool, and they both look really solid, um, especially in the roles that they played. Um, obviously, Brault could only go a couple of innings because of the uh, rain delay that happened. So he ended up uh, having to exit the game after so long uh, after that rain delay. But then Cool was able to pick up and was able to do what he needed to do. And the Pirates' offense did its job. Oh, wait, no, I'm... Am the, I thinking... No, the bullpen didn't... I'm, I'm, no, the bullpen, I was, I was, didn't know I'm way off here. That was the, this was the piggyback game, though, right? Huh? This was the piggyback game, though, right? No, the piggyback no. game was game one. Derek Holland... Derek Holland, yes. He I pitched because he pitched really well into the sixth and then gave up that two-run home run. Right, that yeah, that was really the big. Then they blew it open in the seventh. Well, then we came back. Right. Ah, dang it. Um, but yeah, I really... But yeah, so that was another... That was another instance of... I was thinking of... I was kind of mismatching that game on Sunday. And, you know, <laughs> we've only won two games. It's really difficult to quantify that but Derek Holland yeah that was really unfortunate the two run home run that he gave up at the end of the sixth inning looked really solid up until that point didn't really uh, was really kind of gut wrenching to, to see him give up that home run at the end that's not something you really need to do I mean, uh, go ahead. But yeah, 
Uh, and then the bullpen obviously screwed us up again. But in spite of that, the offense was able to power through. And, you know, it's really it's really sad because those kinds of games, um, it feel I feel like we need to rely on our offense too much. Because you give up six runs, yeah, you, know, you know, generally if you give up six runs, you're you're pretty much losing. Um right. but our offense our offense can't score six runs a night. I mean, eight runs a night. We can't constantly rely on our offense to constantly uh, provide that run support uh, or or make a valiant four-run comeback. We have to be able to string nine good innings from our pitching together if we want to see us contend. And... Yes, we won this game 8-6, but from the looks of it, we're going to have to win all our games 8-6 if we can't figure out what to do with our bullpen. Yeah, I agree. Because if I remember correctly, at this point, the game was two days ago. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) What had happened was, so Holland gives up the two runs. And then because we had put Clay Holmes and Kyle Crick on 10-day DL, but I think a shoulder injury and a forearm injury, um, we have brought two more pitchers up. Can't remember the first guy's name. I also can't remember the second. Oh, the second guy was Jeff Hartley, I think. Um, can't remember the first guy's name. And so it was in the seventh inning, 2-2. Two to two, And that's when like they walked the bases loaded. And then hit it, dude. and then someone else came in, and I forget who else, but like the brewer guy, brew player hit the ball off the wall, and I think they scored three, and then it was like seven about that point. No, because I would only put it at six. Yeah, because they blew six on it, four on like yeah. So I put it at six two, and then we came back, and you know I'll give them credit with this. They showed resilience. I mean they fought head head in toe. Um, I think a lot of teams would have given up um, being down six to two, especially with that bullpen. Because even I, because we were texting a little bit, and it was even like, even if you tie the game, which they did, do you really trust a bullpen to keep the lead? Mm-hmm. Or you know, in reality, they're gonna blow it again. But obviously, luckily, you know, they kept the lead. But again, that bullpen is so shaky, which I think is going to be the story of the season. But that's in my opinion. Yeah, I was. Um, I think the guy I was trying to get to be pleasantly surprised about was Nick Birdie. Really been liking. Yes. Uh, a lot of people didn't think he was going to be able to come back from that, that uh, horrific-looking injury, but he's looking good as new right now. He uh, got the save actually in that win and he looks solid every outing he's locating well like I said he's looking like that injury uh, never happened or at least didn't affect him in this regard but yeah I'm really looking forward to see if he can kind of keep it up and see if his success can possibly rub off on the rest of the bullpen because frankly we need it because Nick Birdie's the definition of diamond in the rough uh, he's about the only bullpen piece that I can look at and say I feel confident about bringing on this guy. 
I can't look at any other bullpen piece, even Kella, and say, you know, I'm confident that this guy's going to get three outs and not give up any runs. Agreed. And man, we've only played six games, but this felt like we played 60. <laughs> I know, they say, it's, they say it's a sprint on a marathon this year, but it's been six games and it feels like we've already won 30 miles. <laughs> oh, I know, dude. The, the, like, real, like, think about it. Game one, bullpen blows it. Game two, we just get crushed. Game three, solid pitching performance. Game four, blown it. Game five, you're down four. Have to come back and win by two. And then you didn't get blown out, but you just got soundly defeated. I mean, the emotional roller coaster of this season already. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Man. I feel like I lost like two years of my life on Monday. And then another year on Tuesday. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, I know. It's like, uh, it's like the, that's that's the life of being a sports fan, man. It's just crazy roller coaster up and down. No one can say we don't love this team. <laughs> no mentally sane person puts you got, this. You got that right. Want to move on to the Penguins? Sure, yes. Unless you got any final thoughts on that disaster. Well, um, final thoughts. I'm still 100% on my predictions. And you got this series right as well. I did. Now, dude, in reality, if you could somehow split against Chicago, which I, is a difficult thing, I get that. They're the Cubs and you got to go there. And our bullpen's a disaster. But if you could find a way to grind out like two wins, that's gonna put you what a four and six. Yeah. With you know, let's talk about that before we switch to the Penguins. Um, where if the if the Pirates can scratch out two wins, put them a four and six with the toughest, right? The toughest, second toughest. I beg your pardon. Pardon second toughest schedule of for, for the first 10 games of all of Major League Baseball. And you scratch out like 4-6? and six? Like, you know, when we were realistically expecting 1-9 and nine and 2-8, and eight, if you can put together like 4-6 and six with still all the awful teams in the Central you have to play, you know, you, you I'll say this, you haven't buried yourself. <laughs> I will say this though, it's it's just a three game series in Chicago. So Oh, it's, I thought it was four. No, it's just three, because remember today today's an off day, which we're recording this on Thursday. So right, okay, yeah. The weekend series. So scratching out two out of three will be a bit more difficult. Yes, yes but, it would be. But if you can yeah. do it. We yeah, we can do it. I, I definitely think we could. If our bullpen doesn't No, I'm kidding. No, we can't do it. I said if we could. So we're actually do it. Yeah. What has proved? What have you seen in the past six games that thinks you can go into Chicago and take two out of three from the Cubs? Absolutely nothing. Exactly. So if you could, you'd be in a good position because you haven't buried yourself. No way in hell we do it. No. Yeah, we both predicted sweeps um, at the hands of the Cubbies. 
Obviously, we hope that turns out better, but not looking too good at the moment. No. So with that being that being said, let's move on to the ice, shall we? We shall. Yes. So the Penguins lose in overtime 3 to 2 to the Philadelphia Flyers. What were your and I don't know, did you see the game? Yes, I did. Uh, I did, um, and I was very, I was very um, pleasantly surprised that Sidney Crosby was able to play. Agreed. It, it appears that that we are going with the reunited Sid and the kids line. Uh, Crosby, Gensel, and Sherry were paired together, and they did contribute to a goal, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, because, yeah, it was a three-on-two. Sherry got it. Yes, it was. He top-inched it. (laughs) That was was very encouraging, just like old times, really. Um, What about... uh, I think uh, I was really also intrigued uh, by... uh, Obviously, we played both Murray and Jari in this game. Um, But... The fact that uh, Murray did go first, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if that means that he's pegged to be the starter or what. Because, frankly, I didn't see anything that would have warranted dropping either of them. So, um, whoever Sully had pegged to be the starter, I think, going into Tuesday, ended up being the starter. Uh First, he'll be the starter coming out of Tuesday. Because if you look at the goals, Evgeny Malkin made a stupid turnover. Yeah, what was that? I don't know. It was. I think that's just a victim of not playing competitive hockey in four and a half months. Mainly, you know, those mm-hmm. kinds of mistakes will happen. Hopefully he gets it out now and not on Saturday. Exactly, when the game's meaningful. And I think that's why this game was important. Again, I think it was really nice that we played our starters. It's got got them some good experience. Um, I was also surprised that they even played overtime. I was not expecting... Yeah, me too. That kind of shocked me too. I know, I was not expecting to see that. I guess the, fly- I guess the Flyers wanted experience because... For the Flyers, the since it's the round robin, there will be regular season overtime rules. Should uh, one of the round robin games end in a, end in a tie, so I guess the Flyers got experience for that in the three on three. But you know, I don't really take much out of the fact that we lost in the OT goal. Nah, me either. I mean, the only time we're ever going to be playing three on three is if we have two penalties being served concurrently which is an extremely rare occurrence especially in the playoffs when a lot of the referees like to swallow their whistles yeah i think i think there was a lot even though we lost a lot to be proud about i thought sherry looked well i thought that first line sid um sid and kids yeah, yeah. looked well life for herself on the fourth line thought the game was sloppy to begin with um what do you expect from now playing competitive hockey since March let's be real <laughs> um, but I think as the game got went on um you know I thought we, we got better 
um, Gina with the awful mistake, but then he assisted on the um, Zucker goal. And what a pickup has he been? That's a Jim Rutherford gem. Getting him. Another one of those. Dynamite um, before COVID. You know, he scored, so he looks like he's picking up right where he left off. And again, Sherry was, even though he was in the organization and won two cups with us, he was in Buffalo, so we did have to retrade for him. And, you know, he's been well as well. All right, I guess good. He's played good. Yeah, I'm definitely surprised by Connor Sherry. I remember one of the reasons we traded him is he seemed to fall off a bit. Um, I, when I, when we acquired him, I was, I was very hesitant to thrust him into a top six role, but it seems like he's back in his element again now that he's playing with Sid and Gensel. Like I said, it's just like old time back in 16, 17, those seasons where we won the cup and they were, you know, such a good combination together. And it seems like they've kind of regained that chemistry that they had in those years and, you know, whatever confidence he had lost in you know the last season or so that he was with us he seems that he has kind of been rejuvenated by this move he certainly looks a lot better than he did in buffalo and another jim rutherford pickup that has to be uh, commended there they call him a sultan of swap for a reason yeah and looks and like, like he said it again with the zucker move and then sherry as well and i agree with you on the um on Murray and, and Jari both played well. I don't think Murray could have done anything on either goal. Um, and Jari played extremely well. Like you said, it was a breakaway. And, you know, three on three overtime. Not much you could do there. Mm. Um, defense, I thought, you know, gave a couple two-on-ones away. But nothing, you know, to scream about. Um, I was looking at those defensive pairings that he had. I really liked them. They're both... Right, left. You know, right's playing on the right, left's playing on the left. Um, they're solid. Like, I love Duma Latang. You know, Schultz Johnson, I think, can be functional. Marino's played his mind, I mean, out of his mind in his rookie season. Um, he's paired up with Pedersen, who I think is also pretty rock solid. That's a rock solid defense. Um... Yeah, so I, I was I was happy with the exhibition. Yeah, I think we lost. if there was a Calder Trophy for a defenseman, I think Marino would definitely be a candidate to win that. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, so, I was really good. I was really yeah surprised with John John Marino's done this year. Obviously pre-break, and it looks like he's gotten that mojo back post-break. Yeah, it's really nice to be able to have. Uh, three competent defensive pairings. I know there were many times this season where, you know, one player made through injuries or through lack of form where we had two same-handed defensemen and that led to a lot of problems. But now that all three of our defensive pairings are, are of the proper handedness, that really does help. That's, you know, I think that's something... You know, I know that it's something you would think is common sense that, you know, every team would have, but, you know, it really, you know, kind of the the time where we had, you know, these awkward defensive pairings kind of makes you appreciate what it's like to have solid defensemen. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So I guess we'll just go into a little bit of a preview of the series. 
and you know give some maybe some predictions on game one or predictions on the series whatever you want we feel like doing because it is yeah, I know. we kind of kind of we can kind of make it up as we go because it's what we do yeah. that's how we do here at the pittsburgh sports cast yeah obviously there's been over two months of speculation um ever since this format was announced we knew who we had to face we knew what we had to do yeah i i'm definitely more confident in the penguins um I like I said, I really liked what I saw on uh, Tuesday. You know, I really like the top line. It's, you know, it's like, again, it's like old times. You know, I think if this line can continue to play well, we're, we're going to be looking at 2017-16 vibes. Um, the only thing that can stop us is if Carey Price goes more out of his mind than Halak did 10 years ago. But I don't see that happening. He may be a Vezina candidate, but you know, I think that the goaltending will probably be a bit a bit less stellar because of the break. I think that might have an effect on them. I think there's going to be a lot of sloppy play for both sides. But I really think that it'll affect Montreal as well because, again, our defense looks solid. Uh, we just have to limit what Evgeny Malkin did. Uh, we don't want random giveaways. That's obviously something that the Pens have had to deal with many times this season, last season, any season, really. But... I think that the lineup we have has no business losing really any games to the lineup of Montreal. The, they they have one positional advantage over us, and that's goaltending. And that is not enough. I would agree with you that Carey Price, I think, won't probably play as stellar. Um, just because, like like you said, the break. And I believe they he gave up, like, four goals against Toronto or something. <laughs> um, my only concern, I agree with you. On paper, this is a sweep. Definitely. My only concern is Penguin Arrogance. Because if we're being brutally honest with ourselves, penguin arrogance is a thing. <laughs> um, like you said, sloppy turnovers is a thing. And if they roll up on Mon- on Saturday thinking, oh, this is Montreal. We're going to kick their butts and start playing and giving pucks away. You know, things can get dicey. Because um, remember, this is only five games. So game one's so important. Game one's critical. Um, because you only have two losses to play with. You lose game one, you only got one more to play with. Um, so game one, I was looking at Sportsnet the other day, and each one of their hockey writers picked the Penguins. And it's, it's always concerning to me when a team's such a heavy favorite, I go back to Tampa Bay and Columbus, where if you knew anything about hockey, you picked Tampa Bay in a sweep. And, you know, Tampa Bay was, was one of the best regular season teams ever. 
And they're the ones who got swept by a Columbus team that barely made the playoffs. But I think by a point. Um, so when you're such a heavy favorite, I think there's always cause for concern. Um, that players will be lax if they won't take it seriously. You know, I hope the Penguins are mature enough now that they won't do that. Um, I'll say this. If the Penguins are mature enough and handle their business, this should be over in three. But if the Penguins decide they want to be arrogant and pull an Evgeny Malkin and throw the puck in front of your own net to a Canadian where he's wide open by himself, um, this, this could go sour. Okay, so I really, yeah, I really hope that we don't become the Pittsburgh Steelers, really, <laughs> um, because you know, using that analogy, this is this is this is a this would be a dangerous game for them, right? You know, because that arrogance that you speak of with the Penguins is very prevalent with the Steelers, even more so when we had the toxicity and the AB and the Martavis Bryan and all the Le'Veon Bell and all that issues. But yeah, I definitely think that the Penguins do have to be careful. They can't take anything for granted. You know, this is, this is the NHL, you know, we're all, they're all, everyone's a professional hockey player. Everyone, you know, they got signed by a team for a reason and we can't take anyone lightly. We can't take any game lightly. We have to come out fighting in game one. We have to be ready to just go right at them from the get-go and just show them why we're the better team. Um, my final prediction, um, and I don't know if you said yours, but my final prediction is Penguins in four. I think that they will take. Um, I think that they will take the first game then uh lose game two and then take three and four and then it'll be a two one penguins victory in that regard uh do you have a final series prediction i would go pens in four um i'll only give you the game one prediction which i think will be a win because then before i predict two three four and potentially five i want to see how the game goes uh because we could look awful and win then I'll say, well, we could lose game two, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so I'll go pens and four for the overall series, and we take game one, unsure of the rest of the series until I see them play. Oh, yeah, I was just having a little fun with the two, three, and four, but I definitely think we'll take game one. Um, yeah, and then I, I don't know what your thoughts are. Who do you think's gonna come out last in the round robin? Because that's who we would be playing. Who do I think or who do I hope? Both. Pick who with your I... head, then pick with your heart. My heart says Philly. I think you <laughs> saying the best out of beating Philly. But who do you think is the question now? Washington looks shaky coming in before COVID. Because Philly was Philly caught them almost. Or maybe they did catch them. Washington had a big lead, if I remember correctly, in the division. Um <sighs> 
My head probably says Washington. To be honest, because they can't they came in shaky. They're a little bit older. Though OV looked fantastic in their exhibition game. Um But yeah, I think Washington will probably finish last. Or at least fourth. And I hope Philly does, because I think I love the cross state rivalry and we tend to beat them up in the playoffs. So. Yeah. I, I think right. I I want and believe that Philly is gonna finish fourth. Because I um yes, they did go toe to toe with us, but they didn't really impress to me. They didn't nothing of them really seemed really special. Like it's very clear that Tampa and Boston are the top of the conference and it's very clear to me that they'll end up one two. But I would agree with that. And then I I would probably I'd probably have to go with Washington in third. They just seem like the more complete team. They seem to be the more consistent team. Because remember, the Flyers made a late surge to pass us up to get into that automatic first round bye spot. Well, we should be. Yeah, exactly. But they passed us up. And I, uh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely concerned about, I'm not, I wouldn't say concerned. I'm not afraid of any one of those four teams, but if I had to pick one to play, I'll definitely say Philly. And for the reasons I just said, I do believe that Philly will end up finishing fourth. And I do believe that, I do believe that no matter who we play, it will be advantage us mainly because we will have come off winning a best of five series. And they will have come off finishing last in the group. So uh, the momentum will be with us. And we'll have all the confidence. Again, we got to make sure we don't get too high. But Is there a team that you don't want to play first round? Assuming we get past Montreal. Probably. Like, I want zero part of this team right now. I'll take them in the conference finals. But right now, Zippo. I won't say I want zero part because again, I don't feel like I would be. I don't feel like I could look at any team and be like, I'm afraid to play them or I don't think I don't have confidence in playing them because I have confidence in whoever team goes against us. But if I had to pick a team that I didn't really want to play, I'd probably have to go with Boston. Um, That's mine too. Boston has just looked really dominant this season. Um, again, we just talked about how Philly can be a bit inconsistent. How Washington has tendency to screw up in the playoffs. Tampa Bay also tends to choke. It seems like ev- it seemed like every year for the last five, six years they've been the favorites to win the cup, and yet every year they find a way to choke. Not we just too. saw it. We just saw it last year with the sweep in the first round. We saw it every other year before that, and especially, like I said, considering whatever team faces us is bottom of the group, so. Yeah. Boston scares me. I'm not gonna lie. Um and they have our number historically. You remember the last time we faced them in the playoffs was that four game sweep in the conference finals. Trying not to, because we just got embarrassed for four games. Yeah. That was really frustrating because of all the trades we had made, Jerome McGinla, uh, Brendan Morrow, and we won't get into that stuck. That can stack. Yeah. I don't want to get into a rant about 2013, though, so. <laughs> that was a bad year, though. Um, yeah, 
Boston just is like a, an, a like a historical team that just tends to have our number. Um, so I would be concerned to play them. Tampa, I don't know if I'd be concerned to play Tampa. I think that'd just be a harder series than I would want. You know? Yeah. Like, like Tampa has Stamkos, and they have Tyler Johnson, Victor Hedman, they have Andre Veselovsky. You know, Tampa's a star-studded team, no doubt. Yep. Um, they always but, have been. That's why they're favorites on paper. Right. I think it'd just be a harder first-round matchup than I would like. Philly. I, I'm not saying Philly watching would be an easy first-round matchup. But I'm just saying I think I'm going to try to play them than the Atlantic boys. Hmm. Definitely. Also, like, the familiarity that we have with all of them. Yeah. So, with that being said, uh, I would have to think that that pretty much does it for this episode. Let me see. Um, any final thoughts? Yeah, give me give me a quick prediction of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Ooh. Who who gets in the Final Four? Who I mean, not not like Final, Final Four conference, but I'm talking about who who gets into the eight to join the four. Oh. So, like, who wins the qualifying rounds, in other words? Okay, well, I gotta go into the bracket again, then. Well, it's Toronto, obviously. Columbus. What'd you say? Toronto, Columbus, I know, is 8-9. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going Toronto in that one. I know Columbus has a tendency, especially last year, they kind of surprised people in the playoffs, but has, uh, historically, they have not really fared well in the postseason. So, I'm taking Toronto in that one for once. I'll, I'll talk for a little bit while you find the bracket. Because Toronto has a lot of superpower, but Toronto chokes too. Remember 2013 when they choked Game 7 <laughs> in Boston? And then they lost to Boston in Game 7 again twice, back-to-back years. The, the previous two years, so in 19 and then 18. Um, so, Columbus chokes, but so does Toronto. True, um, but I'm still going with Toronto. I think they have the talent and they have the edge. Uh, I'll, 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 English. I'll agree. I'll go with the um, Maple Leafs as well. All right, now Rangers, Hurricanes. Um, that's gonna be a series. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go. You know what? I'm gonna have to go with the experienced team. I'm, uh, I'm gonna have to go with New York Rangers. I would agree. Yeah, alright. Are we just doing Eastern Conference? No, or... we can do West. Sure, alright. Well, Blackhawks, Oilers, then. Ooh, that, I think... I think that's gonna be my favorite series. So, like, watch. Um... That's gonna be a blast. <laughs> With David, Kane, Taves, Dryside on. I mean, if you want superstars going against one another... This is a series. I'll say Oilers in five. Yeah, me, me I'll, too. I guess to finish back, I'll go Toronto in five, and I'll go Rangers in four. Yeah, I'll go Toronto in four, Rangers in five. Okay. But anyway, but yeah, I'll, I'm taking Oilers in four here. I think that the star power with Connor McDavid and, uh, you know, those players that they've seen 
I think that's gonna win out. I'm gonna go Oilers in four. All right, um, Florida Islanders. See, this is a weird series because both teams were struggling going into COVID. It's like neither one was hot. Yeah, they were kind of limping in there. Yeah, they were. I think both teams are only getting it. This is like another one. Both teams are only getting in because of COVID. <laughs> I'll go Re- Islanders in four because Islanders are a lot more defensive. And I think Florida can have trouble scoring. I don't know if they're going to be able to score enough to beat the Isles. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, it doesn't seem like the Panthers like have, have it really put together. They seemed a bit kind of all over the place. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Islanders. I'm. You know what? I'm gonna go bold. I'm gonna say they're gonna sweep them. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I don't see. I don't see Florida. I think they kind of been a bit out there. All right. Um. So, obviously, Montreal, Pittsburgh. We both said pens in four. Winnipeg, Calgary. That's another tough one. I know, Cause... right? It's, every series seems like it could be like anyone's game. Like, there's no set favorites, and which is kind of bizarre because you know we have, you know, a team ranked five in the conference to a team ranked twelve in the con in the conference. You think well, and team would be a sure favorite, but what team's fifth? And the and the in the West. I mean, who's who's the higher seed in this matchup? Um, that actually, hang on a minute. I think some of these games might have been round-robin games. I think I might have been. No, I, oh, can I, no, because it's St. Louis, Dallas, I thought. But there's four. Isn't, isn't Edmonton one of them as well? Or? Well, because two, no, Edmonton didn't. No, okay, so I'm right. I was, because I'm just looking at the... I'm looking at the games on like Google and stuff. I'm just making sure that we're not. Like, give me one second. There we go. That's uh, no. What the hell? Hmm. Let's see what we can find. Okay, here we go. So the top four seeds are St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, and Dallas. That's right. Um, yeah, all right. So, so that, that makes it easier. So now we can go back into our series predictions. Okay. So, so Flames and Jets are 8-9. Flames are 8, Jets are 9. I'll go Edmonton's 5, by the way. Yes, and Chicago's 12. Okay. Um, so I'll go Flames in 4. I don't know. Patrick Liney is really good. And the Stars, I mean, the Stars, the Jets have some talent up front, but their defense is extremely questionable. So yeah, I think... Flames. I think, uh... I think, uh, Hellebuck, though, I I know he's... He's he's had some... He's been really streaky in, like, the playoffs. I think he'll be one to edge him out. I think he'll kind of pick up the defenseman a bit. And I think he'll do what Carey Price is trying to do. I think he'll take him through. Um, I'm gonna go... I'm gonna go five games. Okay. I haven't picked a five gamer, but I'm gonna go Jets in five, and then who have we not done? Vancouver, Minnesota, the seven ten matchup in the West. 
I think Vancouver. I don't think Minnesota stands a chance. I think Vancouver sweeps. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I think they think Minnesota X squeaks out a game, but Vancouver four. And then we went through all of the East. So that's so it. Fred, no Preds and Coyotes. Oh, Preds and Preds in Arizona. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with the Preds. Arizona just looks all over the place, and they just. Mm. I'm gonna have to go with Preds in a sweep. I would agree with that actually. Yeah. And then, so, I guess now that we did who's joining the top four, I guess we could kind of do the order of the round robin then. Sure. All right, so, I'm going to have to go with the order it's already, it already is. So, Boston. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Boston, Tampa, Washington, Philly. Yeah. And the oh, West. Yeah. And then in the West, I think. Well, the West is tight. Yeah, I think I think I'm gonna have to give Vegas the edge. Um, again, goaltending really comes up big in the playoffs, especially when you have a team build around it. And I think Mark Andre Fleury, with all his playoff experience, I know as a younger player he tended to choke in the playoffs, but now that he's older and he has three Stanley Cups under his belt, um, I think he's gonna be able to succeed. Especially since it's not technically playoffs, the games aren't do or die nothing to lose really in this environment so i think Florida will really have a chance to shine here I, i'm gonna have to go with vegas one st louis two and i'm gonna have to go colorado three dallas four i'll go colorado one i think they're stacked offensively with like mckinnon landeskog they have that uh finnish guy ratman i think yeah and they have um oh Who's that star defenseman they got? Oh, now you got me all. I forget his name. But I think Colorado's Jack, I'll go give them one. Blues two, Vegas three, and Dallas four. All right, sounds great. So you got one and two reversed. So with that being said, I think I think that's pretty much our final thoughts here. Yes, I would agree. All righty. So, if you are listening to us on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. Pittsburgh Sportscast, for those of you who do not know, comment below. If you are viewing this on YouTube, let us know your comments, questions, concerns, suggestions, or anything else you want to tell us. You can also interact with us on Twitter at PGH Sports po- Sportscast or email us, Pittsburgh Sports Podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Ryan. And I'm Chris. And we will see you soon on the Pittsburgh Sports Cast. Stay safe, everybody, and let's go, Pens.